At AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored for your business needs. Specializing in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. To elevate your business, visit ajproducts.ie. It's a high office, but a humbling one. It's a high office because the holder is rightly held responsible for the good governance of this republic. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Sarah Pollock. Former Taoiseach John Bruton died yesterday. He was 76. As the leader of Fine Gael, in 1994, Bruton led a multi-party government known as the Rainbow Coalition. Of the joint programme agreed between Fine Gael, the Labour Party and the Democratic Left. In two and a half years, the coalition oversaw economic growth, the legalisation of divorce and the removal of university fees. Pat Leahy is the Irish Times political editor. Pat, we're going to talk about John Bruton's life, his political career, but also about what his story tells us about how much Ireland has changed since the 1990s. But let's start at the start. Who was Bruton and how did he become such a prominent politician in the 80s and the 90s? He had a very long political career. He seems to have caught the political bug very early, stood for election at the age of 22, was elected in 1969, became a junior minister or parliamentary secretaries, as they were called then, in a Fine Gael Labour coalition in the mid-1970s. After just over a decade in the Dáil, John Bruton is a big figure in uh, in the party. And when Gareth Fitzgerald forms uh, a government in 1981, John Bruton is Minister for Finance. But it's a time of acute crisis in the public finances country's almost broke. He introduces an unpopular budget. He's it's been hanging around his neck for his entire political career. He sought to introduce VAT on children's shoes. And there's a long and complicated story about how that came about. Anyway, the, the coalition, the Fine Gael-led coalition at that stage fell on that. So he's out of, he's out of government. He returns to government with the, another Fine Gael Labour coalition in late 1982. But he's not Minister for Finance in that, to his great disappointment. He's Minister for Industry. He again becomes Minister for Finance at the tail end of that government. But lo and behold, another budget fails to pass muster with the Labour Party and um, and, and he's out of government then. During which period he becomes leader of Fine Gael. Well, it's an enormous honour for me to be selected to lead the party that founded this state, the Fine Gael party. He becomes Taoiseach sort of accidentally. It had been thought that Bruton would lead after the 1992 election, which results in big seat losses for Fianna Fáil. It has been expected that Bruton will be able to put together a coalition with the Progressive Democrats and Labour at this stage. But he's prickly. He has difficult relations, particularly with Dick Spring, himself also a fairly prickly character. The coalition never gets put together and Spring instead chooses this mould-breaking coalition with, uh, with Fianna Fáil. But that falls apart in acrimony two years later at the end of 1994. We need a new government. We need a radically reformed state and I hope that the result of this vote will be to lead us to have a government that will achieve that. At that stage, Bruton, who has just survived a heave in Fine Gael against his own leadership, becomes Taoiseach at the head of this, what's called the Rainbow Coalition, as you referenced it in your introduction. We wish Deputy Bruton and your coalition partners, whoever they may be, well in the days to come. Uh, Those of us in the opposition side of the House will be uh, watching you 
uh, very closely. Pat, what were the standout achievements of that government that he led between 1995 and 1997? It's a time of the foundations for what becomes the Celtic Tiger are being laid so the country is getting wealthier. There is uh, an IRA ceasefire in place since the August of, uh, of 1994. The government is successful in a campaign to overturn the constitutional ban on divorce, which passes only by a whisker in 1995 and passes after a very telling introduction, probably a decisive introduction by John Bruton. So this is widely seen as a successful government. It anticipates justifiably its re-election, but the 1997 election is kind of snatched at the last minute by Bertie Ahern. And that I've always regarded as a real hinge moment in modern Irish politics. You mentioned in 1997 he lost the election to Bertie Ahern's Fianna Foyle, and from today's vantage point Bertie Ahern is the defining politician of that era to, to the extent that sometimes John Bruton's role may be a bit overlooked. As personalities, how much did Bruton differ from Bertie Ahern? Ah, uh, they were very different in both in, in, in personality but also in political outlook and also, I think, in political approach. But bear in mind, and we will come on to talk about this in a minute, this is a period in which really Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are all that matters in Irish politics, almost in electoral terms. The government was led either by Fianna Fáil or by Fianna Gael. And Fianna Gael's role in some respects was not to be Fianna Fáil. And Bruton was very comfortable at the uh, at the head of that. He was, by kind of philosophy and inclination, a Christian Democrat rather than a social Democrat. But he became sufficiently flexible. And I think we spoke earlier about how those two budgets of his uh, when he was Minister for Finance in the 1980s had failed. I think he learned from those experiences and became more pliable, became more open to compromise. And that enabled him to lead this very successful government, which was, after all, in coalition with two left-wing parties. person and the bottom will do very, very well under no, Fianna Fáil okay. proposals. Not, I'm afraid not the concentration of the tax cuts under, under the Fianna Fáil PD option would be at the top end. And unfortunately, that creates a sense of injustice. If you have people seeing that somebody at the top end is getting 10 times as much of a tax. I think he differed from Bertie Ahern in other ways. He had a real palpable dislike of republicanism, the tradition of armed struggle that was at that time kind of inseparable from Irish republicanism. It's very sad to see these young people being taken in the prime of their lives by an organisation, the IRA, which is going nowhere. Their strategy, 20 years of murder, all it has done is driven the two communities further into their ghettos every time the IRA murders somebody. And I, and I want to come back on that because when we look back at John Bruton's life, in many ways it does show us how much Ireland has changed over the past few decades. But he had this very specific attitude towards Irish history. He was a self-declared Redmondite. And for context for our listeners, John Redmond was a political leader from 100 years ago who sought a more constitutional approach to achieving Irish independence. Now, John Bruton said he believed the 1916 Rising was both wrong and unnecessary. This attitude towards 1916 is rarely 
if ever heard these days among politicians, right, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I think there is that Redmondite tradition in uh, in in Fine Gael. It is, if not entirely submerged now, it, it, it is certainly in the descendant. I guess the country in the wake of the ending of the IRA campaign in the mid-90s, the country became more nationalist, particularly amongst young people. I think, you know, the whole ooh-ah-up-the-ra phenomenon would have horrified John Bruton. And that sort of allergy to armed republicanism stayed with John Bruton. A close friend of his, Senator Billy Fox, was killed by the IRA in the 1970s. He, and, and he took that very personally. And during his period as Taoiseach, which is very much in the infancy of the peace process, he's probably kind of ill-suited to that particular aspect of the job. There was a famous occasion when he was having been, I mean, he could be quite prickly at times and having been uh, questioned by a number of reporters, he said he was fed up being asked questions about the fucking peace process, you know, and and this was overheard, carried on a mic, and it was in a way, I mean, it was an aside I'm sure lots of politicians are fed up being asked questions about other effing issues as well. Um, but it, 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 I think at the time was kind of emblematic of John Bruton's ill, the sense that he was ill at ease in dealing with Sinn Féin and the IRA trying to bed down a peace process. And we're talking of, you know, three, four years before the Good Friday Agreement at this stage. I think it's important to, to, to recognise that, that the unionist community are being asked to, to see a lot of things change. Now, they need to change. They must change. It's important that they do, but the process of change is always a bit painful. You know, I suppose we will never know how the peace process might have developed in uh, had John Bruton remained Taoiseach after that 1997 election, my guess is that it still happens in some uh, in some shape or form and that John Bruton's approach to it certainly wouldn't have been sufficient, uh, sufficiently unhelpful to scope of the peace process or anything like that. But, um, but certainly from the, the Republican point of view, they never had the sort of comfort with John Bruton that they, uh, that they clearly developed with Bertie Ahern. Coming up, if John Bruton had won the 1997 election, how different would Ireland be today? At AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored exclusively for your business needs, spanning offices, warehouses, industries, workshops, schools and public spaces. Specialising in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. Our offerings include versatile storage solutions and comprehensive office project design and implementation. With over 45 years of experience, we stand as your trusted partner in smart B2B solutions. To explore all we have to offer, visit ajproducts.ie and elevate your business with AJ Products. Looking back, it's striking that Fine Gael tried to get rid of John Bruton twice unsuccessfully before he lost the leadership in 2001. That culture of backstabbing within parties has become something of the past, right? And does his political heyday 
tell us a lot about how much politics in this country has changed. It's a matter of some regret to all of us uh, who cover politics is that the highly entertaining regular instalments of the Fine Gael Civil War which went on for about a, a, a decade and a half has long since come to an end. I mean it is kind of mad when you think about it that he was in the, the period that he was leader of Fine Gael there was two unsuccessful heaves against him before he was finally taken out by Michael Noonan who then goes to on to crash and burn in the 2002 election. Certainly Fine Gael, uh, you know, that, that tendency in Fine Gael has been submerged, uh, at least for the time being. I think there is a recognition on the part, though, of all politicians that those sort of political parlour games are of little interest to voters and voters probably have less patience for them now. You know, we all forget it now, but, you know, for the first period when Michal Martin was Taoiseach under first period uh, of this government, he was under constant pressure from his own backbenchers and there was all talks of a challenger, heave uh, and so forth uh, against them. He simply brazened it out. And I think that part of his rationale for doing that was that, you know, that the public had little enough patience for for that type of thing. I think one other thing perhaps worth saying before we finish is that, you know, that, I mean, Bruton's career is also testament, you know, to just kind of the, the power of luck or timing in political careers. He becomes Minister for Finance, second most important role in the government at the age of 34, but he does so at a time of acute crisis in the national finances and that leads to uh, what, what, what we've discussed. The next time he gets to be Minister for Finance, it's at the tail end of that Fine Gael Labour coalition, which was under pressure from day one and by the time Bruton becomes Finance Minister at the end of it, it, it it's under pressure and its days are, are numbered. And then he becomes Taoiseach because of big events which are entirely outside his control. And then he loses power in, in 1997. There was a weighing up, just perhaps as there is at the top of government now. In that 1997 government, the election didn't have to take place until November of, uh, of 1997. And there's a weighing up going on in Fine Gael and Labour and Democratic Left about when should they go first, when should they go to the country. Eventually, Bruton's inclination it is said at the time is to wait until the autumn. Instead, uh, they decide to go uh, at Labour's promptings before the summer uh, in June. Had they waited, the era of the tribunals would have exploded. There would have been the report of the McCracken Tribunal and the scandals that led Ray Burke to, uh, to resign from that government in the autumn. So the political context in that respect would have been completely different uh, in the autumn. And, um, you know, we can never know if it would have been different. And I spoke earlier about how that 97 election is such a hinge moment for modern Ireland. And we just don't know would it have been different if they went in the, uh, if they went in the autumn rather than in the early summer. Can I ask you to speculate for a minute? Can I ask us to put ourselves back in 97 and to imagine, number one, did he deserve another term? But number two, had Bertie Ahern not become Taoiseach and... Bruton had stayed in his role. How different would this country be today? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? You know, I mean, how, how long have we got? OK, so we can say with some certainty what that government definitely wouldn't have done. So the early part of that government, 1997-2002 government, is marked by uh, breakneck tax cutting 
by Charlie McCreevy. PDs are in government there, centre-right party, they're committed to reducing taxation, personal, personal taxation, and you have these expansionary tax cuts the whole way through the period of that government. If Labour and Democratic left are part of that government with a probably more social democratically minded uh, Fine Gael, then I don't think you get that measure of tax cutting. I think you get a greater uh, expansion in public services and in public investment at that stage. That in turn means that you don't have this, this kind of runaway economic Growth, this turbocharged economic growth in the early two, in the, the late nineties and early two thousands that we saw. So the Celtic Tiger still happens, but it looks perhaps a bit less manic. And maybe this means, maybe this means that the crash when it comes in two thousand and eight is not as bad. Is there still a crash? Yes, because that happens for international reasons that have nothing got to do with what's going on here. But the reason that it is so bad in Ireland is because of domestic decisions that are taken here. Are they taken by a different government? Look, we can never know, but I think we can guess that they wouldn't. And the funny thing is then, if that, if that crash isn't as bad as it is in, uh, in 2008, then the political earthquake that follows it, which gives us the end of that old two-party system dominated by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and instead means that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael must join forces to retain power, then maybe that political earthquake isn't as significant. Pat, tributes have been coming in from the usual places, including from President Michael D. Higgins, who was a minister in the Rainbow Coalition. Now, he praised Bruton for his leadership and his commitment. From your own dealings with the late John Bruton and your own time reporting for on politics in this country, how would you describe the man? I, I, I hesitate to correct you, but the, you'll find that the president has been leading the tributes, which is the appropriate protocol. Okay. I learned once when putting the Taoiseach's uh, tributes to whoever had died, I can't quite remember who in the first paragraph and the president's in the second paragraph. I received a communication from the Oris okay. to tell me that the protocol is when the president tribu- makes a tribute that that then leads the tributes. Anyway. As Rephrase, say, I, leading I, I, tributes, I, I, Michael D. Higgins. hesitate to correct you. Yeah, John, John Bruton had ceased to be Fine Gael leader by the time I went to cover politics um, full time. So that's how that's how long ago it was. But he was certainly still a very big figure. I always found him very good company, very engaging. He had this fantastic booming laugh that uh, that in, in, you would hear it from one side of Leinster House to the other and invariably started other people in his company laughing as well. He's a highly intelligent man, very thoughtful. He continued to, to, to write and reflect on politics, followed it very closely. And of course, he had this final act as the EU ambassador in, uh, in, in Washington, which I think he really enjoyed. And as kind of a lifelong political obsessive to be in the world capital of politics, of course, I I suspect must have been quite thrilling for him. To give every man and woman a chance to contribute to the community. That contribution is the cornerstone of civil society. Clearly very public spirited, very committed to public service, very committed to an idea of Ireland and an idea of politics that is probably probably kind of sinking into the past. 
But I, I, I had a lot of time for him. I remember him fondly. That's all for today. For more from Pat Leahy on the legacy of John Bruton, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Sarah Pollock. Today's episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.